I was at the doctor the other day and she prescribed me PrEP. What's that? PrEP is a daily pill I take to prevent HIV. Oh, I think I've heard of that, but I didn't know it was for women. PrEP is for anyone who is concerned about their risk of getting HIV. Women can take it too. Why did you decide to start taking it? I just love that there is something I can do to prevent HIV for myself. PrEP puts me in control of my sexual health. I'm glad I talked to my doctor about it. To find a local health provider you can talk to about PrEP, visit cdc.gov stop HIV together slash prevention and let's stop HIV together. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Andrew, I know it's been a year and a half since we have heard from him, but um, I think it's time. Uh, time. Time for what? It's time to end things for the longtime tormentor of the pod. Oh, oh, you mean Marjorie Taylor Greene? No, no, no. Someone so much worse. He's gone after our fraternity brothers, our family, hell, even our neighbors. Zach Baggins. I mean, I get it. Do we really need any more Ghost Avengers? No, Andrew. I'm talking about our biggest nemesis to date. The one, the only, the pube hunter himself, Burt Spencer, a.k.a. the Bushwhacker Killer. So put on your tallest heels, slam that pineapple juice, brandish your best chapstick, and let's do this. This time, he's going down for good. It's episode 96. Revenge is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the fire, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? What do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. Now who would paint their house like this? Our goal isn't to offend anyone. Actually, it's a counter-offensive, strategically located across the street from the home of the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. You know, the group that's always calling gays the F-word. Members hate homosexuality. It is abomination! What part of that don't you fools understand? Aaron Jackson wasn't a fool when he decided to buy this house back in 2007. While Googling the Westboro Baptist Church, he went to the street view of their headquarters. I saw the house across the street had a for sale sign on it, and it hit me right away. I'm going to buy that home, and I'm going to paint it the color of the pride flag. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Matthew. And, oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. You, were, you weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> and if this is the first time that you've been joining us, his name is Maddie, uh, And that's what I'll be referring to him for the rest of the episode. And this is also the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in the movies from an LGBTQ-esque perspective. Uh, and today we are talking all about revenge. Love whether revenge. you've 
whether you've taken it out on people or you've had it taken out on you, I think everyone can relate to wanting a little revenge on your worst and best enemies. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. Now, before we get into our main topic, let's turn a slight right to the uh, the gas station over there that's called the Certified Terrifying Corner. Maddie, take it away. Welcome. Pop on in for some, you know, for some combos. combos. Or, for, <laughs> you knew I was going to say it. <laughs> stop, stop it. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Stop, stop. <laughs> Stop in the petrol station for a little bit for a pack of combos and a big old Diet Coke, because uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the certified terrifying corner. Um, also, my favorite combo is the cracker with cheese. Andrew, yours is the pretzel with pepperoni. Am I wrong? Uh, I actually like the cracker with pepperoni. <laughs> oh, I was close, though. I was close. Okay. All right. So, folks, uh, our first our first <laughs> item. In the, in the, this is funny. We don't usually laugh like this. This hard. This is what this is hilarious. Um, there we go. Okay, good. So the certified terrifying corner. Uh, the first item that we have. This is a big one. Um, it is that Donald Trump was indeed arrested and arraigned in New York City last week. He pled not guilty to 34 felony counts of conspiracy. You know, I got to say, I am, I'm actually really surprised that it actually happened. Um, it's going to be a long trial. I can guarantee you that. But it's going to be um, one. I mean, it's, it's already making history. This has never happened before. So it'll be, um, look, it's going to be kind of fun. <laughs> if I'm being honest, it's going to be fun to watch. The funniest moment, I don't know if you saw this because you don't have a lot of American TV, yeah. but um, they showed him like being escorted either in or out of the courthouse. I can't quite tell from the footage, yeah. but nobody even holds the door open for him. So like the door slams in his face. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. But Good, good. May, may more doors slam in his face more often. Um, look, that, that's all the airtime that we'll give him. Um, second one here is Tennessee's legislature, their their House of Representatives in, in the state, voted uh, last week to remove two black legislators from the floor for speaking out against violence. Now, what's interesting about this is that there were white people doing the same thing. Um, they they didn't get removed from the floor, which is uh, just just tells you what Tennessee is all about, doesn't it? Um, you'll remember that in Tennessee, that's where the latest, well, I mean, I, I think it's the latest anyway, I may be wrong on this by now, uh, where the latest really big school school shooting um, um, occurred in Nashville. And, uh, you know, people are pissed off about it. They want to see change. I mean, there were little little kids that got killed at the school. It's, it's terrible. Um, and these guys were just speaking out, speaking out against it, and they got voted out of the um, out of the room. So, you know that's the state of affairs where 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 Republicans and conservatives control control what's going on. It's it's just a really sad thing to see. And from what I understand, they could be voted out of their seat. Yeah, correct because yeah. of this. Yeah, they could, which be. is ridiculous, but Re- removed entirely. Okie dokie. Yeah. Um, Tennessee. Our Tennessee listeners were here for you, uh, but you need to step it up. <laughs> yeah, t- t- Tennessee is a damn mess right now, my lord. Um, and then finally, protests continue to rage all across France, where the moderate Premier Emmanuel Macron, his policies have meant a unilateral change in the retirement age. So if you don't know about this, the retirement age in France is going up from 62 to, uh, to, from 62 to 64, pardon me. And people are pissed the fuck off. 
I mean, like they are in the streets burning shit down. And it's like everybody in France is doing this, doing this right now all across the country. And um, it's wild. It's wild to watch from from where I am in Europe. And, um, you know, look, I, I think it's kind of a sign of things to come. Like, you know, people are really worried about money in this economy. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. And something like, like the retirement age has turned into something a lot deeper and a lot bigger than just that one issue. Because people are looking at this and they're saying, you know, you didn't even ask us. Like, this is like a unilateral shift that just happened. This didn't go to referendum. It's not part of the Constitution, blah, 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 blah. And people are are pissed. And I, I look, I honestly think rightly so. I think people are really fucking worried. And they're seeing their governments not taking care of them. And look, this is what can happen when you don't do that for your people. Yeah, this is a complicated one. Um, just because... I truly, if I'm being honest, don't really understand like retirement benefits in, in like yeah. uh like this thing that you pay into for uh half your life but can't take any money out of because you'll I get know. punished yeah. until you're a certain age to which then you get all of it tax free, but you can't like so like for the most part if people could, which you can borrow from your retirement, but there's a lot of like um, stipulations. You got to oh, yeah. pay it back. If you quit your job before you pay it back, you have to give it all back. Like there's a lot of stipulations. Sure. And I'm talking about American retirement account, of, of course. But like uh, I, I imagine that there's been a lot of policies that have been adapted in many other places for oh, retirement. Sure. But um, it just if people could actually access that money, do you know how many more people could probably buy a house or yeah. probably not be in student debt forever or probably not have to pay payments on their car? Or it's just, I, I understand that yeah. they're saying like, we're protecting you, but like half of us are not even going to get to that age. So why not let people act, have access to that money when they need it without punishment? And that's yeah. all I'm going to say about retirement. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my 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 general outlook is that the government should exist to look after people. That's why it should exist. And for no other reason. Like and people should be safe and secure and have the things that they need and not have to worry about, you know, retiring with nothing. Uh, and and they should have a house and they should have a job. I mean, like the, it, there should just be things for people. And that can happen. It's it's not it's not some fucking far off dream. We we could have another reality, but you know what? Instead, we chose fucking you know credit scores. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this is this is what we chose in, in our reality. Anyways, that is the very scary, terrifying corner. We'll get on with the show now. And Andrew, um, revenge revenge is a really it's actually a really fun topic to think about. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I was thinking about when we were um, talking talking about doing this for the show. Is I I just it popped into my head. I, I just thought, you know, why do why do we like revenge? Why is revenge something that humans do? Like, you know, as far as I know, in the animal kingdom, we're the only ones that really do it. Like, you know, there there there's there's definitely enough studies about like bands of monkeys or bands of this or bands of that. Like, you know, going and like you know the, like massacring another band of monkeys, but it's not necessarily for like revenge, right? It's for like territory or it's for you know mating purposes or or whatever i have and, heard that yeah. elephants are they take revenge yeah like there's a lot of stories about uh a, a person killing a baby elephant and the elephant coming into their village and just like t t taking revenge on these people and like stomping them down and oh wow 
and things. And um, I'm sorry, but have you Good seen the Jaws Four: The Revenge? Yeah, <laughs> Very true, and that that is a documentary, as you well know. Um, but when it comes, not doing that, not doing that on the show today. Sorry, right, right, right. <laughs> But when it comes to to revenge, um, you know, it, it's there. There's plenty out there about why it's not good for you. But one of the interesting articles that I found, um, which was on uh, a, a website called called The Conversation, which is a, a pretty pretty good one. Um, they're, they're, um, the, the conversation's tagline is academic rigor, journalistic flair. I kind of like that. And, um, there's just, there's just some well-researched articles on the conversation. So anyways, the, the one that I found is called revenge, the neuroscience of why it feels good in the moment, but may be a bad idea in the long run. Catchy title, mm. right? Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's and, not wordy at all. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not in the least. Um, and neither is the article, but it is, it is pretty good. And, you know, it, it sort of just, it sort of answers the question for me. And look, it's not like some big academic answer here, but like, you know, maybe we, we take revenge as humans because it just feels good. It's just a thing that actually feels good, even for the moment, mm-hmm. or even like just like in the consideration of revenge, it feels good inside of our bodies, gives us the endorphins and the adrenaline that we that we like to have. Um, and it might feel bad after, but boy, does it feel good just before and maybe even during um, the 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 course of taking the revenge. So I'll I'll read you a little bit of, of from this article, and there, there's an interesting little study in here part of me that he talks about too. So um, this is by Jeff Beatty. He's a professor, professor, professor. <laughs> He's a professor. I cannot speak today, apparently. He's a professor of psychology at Edge Hill University. Um, and he says, most of us have dreamt about revenge at some point in our lives and perhaps even achieved it. But is it ultimately a good idea? Will it make it wiser? Will it make us wiser and happier in the long term? They say that revenge is sweet, and there is evidence from neuroscience that they're right. In a 2004 study published in Science, researchers scanned participants' brains using positron emission tomography, that's PET, um, it's, it's, a, it's a PET scan, uh, while they played an economic game which centered on trust and sometimes led to vengeful actions. So here's how the game went. Two male players interacted anonymously with each other, person A and person B. Each started the game with 10 money units. Person A made the first decision. He could either transfer his 10 units to person B or keep them for himself. If he transferred the money, the experimenter quadrupled the amount that person B received to 40 units, so B then had 50 units. Person B could now send back half of this, 25 units, to A or send nothing at all. If B acted in a trustworthy manner and sent back half the money, they would both end up with 25 units, a big profit on the 10 that they each started out with. But if B violated A's trust and sent back nothing, B ended up with all 50 units. If A failed to trust B and didn't transfer any money in the first place, they both ended up with 10 units. Now, the experimenters were interested in A's judgments of unfairness when B kept all the money, as well as their desire to punish B, plus their actual punishment of B by removing money units from them in their next move in the game. The experimenters were also interested in changes in activity in certain regions of A's brains as they sought revenge. When trust was violated in this way, participants reported that they wanted revenge, And this was reflected in increased activity in the reward-related regions of the brain, the dorsal uh, striatum, 
Revenge, in other words, is all about feeling good rather than feeling bad. They also found that those participants with the strongest activity in this region were willing to incur greater personal costs with the money units deducted from their own account to get their revenge. So some argue that revenge is mainly about punishing transgression and maintaining the social order, but the fact that it can make you feel so good while you anticipate the effects should not be neglected. So that was a really interesting study, I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it just sort of like very clearly points out the part, number one, the part of the brain that gets stimulated when you're thinking about revenge and then how it gets stimulated. It just makes it feel so good. And like, you know, when I think about it, like, you know, Andrew, I'm not sure how much you've thought about revenge before, but if you're like me, probably (laughs) a lot. And, um, you know, I think about like the people that like I've, I've wanted revenge on, you know, like. Um, like, like, uh, at least a couple of my exes for sure. 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 Or, um, you know, nobody at, nobody at my, at my, my current job, thank God, because I genuinely like everybody. Um, but at my old job, sure. <laughs> yeah. There were a couple of people where I was like, man, fuck you. And, um, you know, some, a smattering of other people too, some, some ex friends, this person, that person, whatever. And I do, when I reflect upon the ways that I thought about revenge, um, you know, I definitely can attest to probably what you would do, which is it feels good to think about it. And, you know, like later on, you know, in reflection, you may go, God, I spent an awful lot of time wasting my time thinking about revenge on this person. Mm-hmm. But while you're doing it, it does feel good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have two, I have two thoughts. Yeah. First on that study that you just talked about, I thought it was interesting that they brought in money to yeah. kind of uh, entice these participants because that brings in a whole nother level of like greed and like, I don't, I, I think that that study is like a little bit flawed because they used money. Of in course. It. I, I think that it would be interesting to see like if it was a different dynamic, just because like sure. um, money and taking care of like the people that you love because of money is like a whole dynamic that I, I can't even like wrap my brain around because we're so tied to money yeah. in, in this, in this world. Um, and then the second thing about like personal, personal vendettas or personal revenge I am one that will hold a grudge for a very long time. Yeah. I am not one that will enact. That's because you're you're a Scorpio. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, I'm not really one that will enact vengeance upon those grudges. I I am really bad about just stewing. You know what I mean? I will sit with my feelings for a very long time and just not do anything about it, which is also not. It's very counterintuitive to like actually resolving anything of course, so it's yeah. it's not good for me but like that's i i do not like uh i i don't like to get involved you know what i mean like i yeah. i don't i don't want to be and honestly it's just there's so much energy there's so much energy well, lost in, well, sure. in kind of like figuring that out but well and i mean that, that that's the thing about it too is like you know as much as i've thought about taking revenge i have very rarely done it very right. rarely. In fact, the the only the only time that I could really think that I took revenge was on my ex fiance, and e- mm-hmm. even that wasn't that bad. It, basically, when I when I just to lay it out lay, lay it out really simple, when I found out like I actually found out that he had been cheating on me, that is when I went onto Facebook and told all of our mutual friends Ben cheated on me. Get get you, you need to defriend him, and that that was my revenge. Yeah, and like. And honestly, that's not even that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I could have gone far worse on that motherfucker. The only time I can think of where I, like, quote-unquote, like, took revenge is... 
there was a time in this all, I, I was out at a bar and it was I was like college age uh-huh. and there was this girl who was on um I think she was on crutches. Oh my, what, what did you do, Andrew? <laughs> well, no. And like, uh, we were all dancing. It was like a very dancey bar. And, oh my God, um, what are you going to say? Oh my God. No, she, and she, she hit me with her crutch. Like, oh my like, God. She, she like hit me at like, like for real. Like, why did she hit you? I think because like maybe our dance group was like, too big and we were and like so encroaching on you and so she hit me with her crutch so i took her crutch from her <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh, oh my god and that's you took a crutch from a girl <laughs> yeah well she deserved it but um and i took the crutch and i took it up to the door guy and i i said this girl hit me with her crutch she needs to be taken out and um i don't remember what happened after that but she she needs to be taken out it's not, it's not like a hit man oh my god that's hilarious so no but i will say oh. i have uh i have ended friendships over grudges yeah, i fair have enough. like there there are times where like but the, is that really the, revenge though I, I think it's just like me not wanting to uh that's just a decision have, like it's just me not wanting to like expel the energy to yeah. exude the revenge so i just like just be like put a blanket over it you know now, I mean? now i i will say he, he does end the article talking about a different option than revenge so i'll, I'll tell oh, okay. you about this he says um so, so what should you do instead of taking revenge when you are wronged just bottle things up or steal a girl's crutch <laughs> this can sometimes this can sometimes be very hard, as we all know. One study explicitly instructed participants to write about hurtful events, focusing on the personal benefits, like how it changed them for the better, to see that it could help them uh, let go of their need for revenge. God, the even this guy wants us to create content. Come yeah, on, I know, right? Uh, the participants wrote that they had grown stronger, discovered unknown strengths, and had become wiser thanks to the experience. They also said that it had allowed for new experiences. Writing about the events in this way meant that they were able to forgive the perpetrator and were less likely to seek revenge. They also suffered less longer-term stress and anger, ultimately boosting their psychological well-being. Um, and he ends it like this. Perhaps modern neuroscience hasn't quite caught up with the complexity of real-life revenge. We don't know how it behaves over time. For example, maybe the dorsal striatum lights up with force every time you sit down and plan revenge over a prolonged period, or perhaps the feeling of anticipated reward becomes less intense over time. Maybe then you must plan more and more extreme acts of revenge to get the same neuropsychological and psychological hit. Time will tell. Either way, like many things in life, anticipation is often better than the actual experience. So revenge plotters out there should take note. The actual deed may not live up to your expectation. True. It's very true. Next time, Andrew, take both crutches. You know what I mean? I, I will. So she can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about a couple of famous stories of revenge. Cool. Uh, one that I did not put in our notes here, but I, I wanted to, to just like hit on just really quick because, you know, we just talked about in our last episode, we talked about South Korea and we talked about how the Japanese were not so great to yeah. South Korea. 
well, America wasn't so good to the Japanese either. No. And, um, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, those were bombed after Pearl Harbor. And that Plus was the internment the- caps. And that was the ultimate uh, revenge from America. But unfortunately, we didn't attack their uh, army, like or not their army. That was the Navy, I guess, uh, at Pearl Harbor. Uh, we didn't attack their armed forces. We attacked their innocent. And, and, uh, and, we, and we put Japanese people here into concentration camps. Yeah. So we're not great either. <laughs> let's just, no. <laughs> let's just face it. Like humans are very flawed creatures. Humans and- are terrible. And power except, is except really for bad. us, except for us and everyone listening right now. You're okay. <laughs> All right, You're okay, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about two two people. So my first one is Maria Okia Briskaya. Uh, Maria came from a Crimean peasant family and had a deep sense of loyalty to the USSR and was a firm believer in communism. Her sense of duty arguably deepened after she met a married uh, met and married an army officer made ma- named Leah. Um. She said, marry a serviceman and you'll serve in the army, she once declared. However, her husband was killed fighting against the Nazis in Kiev. Um, instead of giving into her grief, Maria found another way to cope. Oh, fuck yeah. Bring it on. Maria, uh, knowing that her husband had ties to the army, uh, what did she do uh, instead of crying in her house? She sold all her belongings and bought a tank. Oh, my God. <laughs> which she christened the Fighting Girlfriend. Holy shit. Um, I can only... Un- I- I'd have to look into this, but is this the uh, kind of like uh, the thing that Tank Girl was based on? That 90s movie? I don't know, but I hope it is. Um, so she could kill the Nazi invaders in order for her to make sure that she would be one of the one, the one behind the wheel. So she wanted to like be in control of this tank she didn't just want to be like okay here's your tank go kill nazis now um so she made her case to joseph stalin himself uh in a letter to the russian leader maria wrote my husband was killed in action defending the motherland i want revenge on the fascist dogs for his death and for the death of soviet people tortured by the fascist barbarians good for her man that's fucking that's it's honestly fucking awesome um, so Stalin, no doubt aware of the propaganda value with such a request, approved her plan, and Maria went underwent five months of training. Um, despite the support from the Russian leaders, Maria was still vastly outnumbered by her male compatriots, obviously, uh, who put a little faith in her abilities. It didn't take long for her to prove herself, however, in her first tank battle in 1943, Fighting Girlfriend was the first tank to breach enemy lines, and Maria proceeded to wreak havoc against German troops, crushing Jesus. many under the treads of the T-34. Oh my god, I, I wish that there could have been a camera in that tank, like, recording Seriously. her ass. She she was probably laughing and, like, fucking just going nuts in that motherfucker. <laughs> a month later, she fearlessly jumped out of her tank to make needed repairs under heavy fire fire from the enemy hopped back in and got back into the fight wow um so uh, this woman she and then she goes on to say i've had my baptism by fire i beat the bastards sometimes i'm so angry i can't even breathe she wrote in an emotional letter or a letter to her sister um she ultimately died a few months later in 1944 but god damn it did she not get her revenge which what, is what a, so sweet <laughs> what a fucking hero like fu- that, i've never heard that story before that's one of my favorite stories that, that that's amazing yeah, I, I thought that that was just like, yeah, you you better work, bitch. <laughs> you go, girl. You go. 
<laughs> now that we're supporting the USSR or Russia at this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then the next one is of, uh, it's around the murder of Aku Yadav. But before you, before you say, oh, murder, so bad, maybe not in this case. Uh, for many years, Aku was seemingly untouchable, even though he was a notorious criminal. He was known to have raped more than 200 women oh, what a from piece the, of shit. What a piece from of the Kastrabar Nagar slum of New Delhi. Preying mostly on members of the quote-unquote untouchable caste. Um, if you don't know, in India, uh, at least in, in this time, there was a really heavily... Uh, the way that they looked at people was from a caste system and the untouchables were sure. the lowest of, of the caste system um, in their social hierarchy, if you will. So Aku routinely bribed corrupt officials so they would drop his cases and had a gaggle of henchmen that always worked on his, at his behest. Uh, despite countless women coming forward with allegations of rape against him, uh, Aku always managed to remain free of to rape whomever he wanted. In fact, whenever a victim reported him to the police, the authorities would alert Aku, who would then visit the women and threaten to throw acid or and or rape them again. Uh, he had raped so many women that the neighborhood had uh, that they many believed him to be um, uh, sorry, that many believed that a rape victim lives in any in every other household in this slum. So that's how many people he was a complete asshole to. Jesus. Um, but the women's revenge would come sooner than they expected, starting with the actions of Usha Naranye. I can't say that name. Narayanye. That's probably the closest I'll get. I think that's um, pretty good. Uh, a victim who had repeatedly been harassed by a coup. Uh, with help from her brother-in-law, she reported a coup to the deputy commissioner who promised that police would arrest the serial rapist. The residents of the slum seemed a little mood to wait. So they were like, well, you know, we'll see what ha- it's kind of like what we're doing with Donald Trump right now. We're like, yeah, yeah sure. right. Like, let's see what happens. Um, that night, uh, Aku's house was knocked down by angry neighbors and local residents and perhaps fearing for his life for the first time, he surrendered to the police. So oh, wow. they took it upon themselves to do this. The next day in court, uh, her and many other local women, um, most of them victims and or friends and family of uh, the victims, heard that uh, Yadav was likely to escape punishment yet again. Together, they swarmed the courthouse and armed with vegetable knives, stones, what? and whatever else they had at hand. As he walked past the angry women in court, a coup taunted one of them, calling her a prostitute and threatening to rape her again. And, oh the, policemen, and the policemen who were escorting him just laughed. The arrogance of the rapist and the open neglect of the police who were supposed to be protecting the women caused the woman to simply snap, and an altercation quickly broke out. We can't, quote, we can't both live on this earth together. It's you or me, the woman cried as she began beating Yadav with her sandal. The other oh women God. quickly converged on Yadav as well. The mob was so violent and overwhelming that the police guards quickly fled the courtroom, leaving Yadav to the armed mob. The attack lasted more than 10 minutes and left Yadav's dead body butchered on the courtroom floor with over 70 stab wounds and his penis cut off. <laughs> you know what? Good. You, listen, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, bitch. See ya. 
the woman that eventually the woman that uh, uh kind of got him arrested she quote said it was not calculated she spoke after the incident it was not the case that we all sat down and calmly planned what would happen it was an emotional outburst the women decided that if necessary they'd go to prison but this man would never come back to terrorize them wow Indeed, when the police tried to arrest five of the women for Yadav's death, all of the women in the village protested, and soon every one of them had taken responsibility for the murder. Naranye and several other women were arrested but were and, and tried, but were eventually released due to lack of evidence. The death of Aku Yadav at the hands of women he tortured was a wake-up call to the public about rampant sexual violence against Indian women and remains one of the most satisfying stories of revenge out there. That's fucking awesome. Good good for them. Yeah. I mean, sometimes somebody just needs to be taken out. <laughs> I don't know Listen, what to say. you know, look, I I am not a believer in, in like the death penalty really, but like, I don't know. We would be better off in this world without some people. I'm well, sorry. Well, in the case it's, of it's the truth. In the case of Akuyadav, like if he would have been arrested and put in prison for the rest of his life, that would have satisfied the 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 revenge. It it's not about the death for me. It's about the punishment. It's about yeah. somebody getting away with something for so long and just everyone turning a blind eye to it. And that's yeah. like that's where I get upset. Where I'm like, no, 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 like. I don't think you should die for this, but you should be punished and you should be held accountable for your actions. And that's well, ultimately like what it comes down to for me. So then I wonder in that case, is that's not really revenge. That's justice. Yeah. I mean, what is sometimes is there a difference? <laughs> I, well, I mean, that, that it's, a, it's an interesting question. And, and if we're being honest too, like, you know, we're, we're about to go into our movies, I know, but like we've got, we have two movies that will give you two, two different sides to that. If, yeah. if you really, if you really think about it, and it, it, I'm, I, you know, I, I think that we we chose these films wisely because you've got two main characters, and you've got one main character in, in each of them that has been wronged in a very serious way, and the ways that they seek their revenge are not all that dissimilar. You know, one happens to be, you know, a, a, a an insane woman who just you know <laughs> is, is a veterinarian, and one turns into a, a superhero that can like Excuse fly. Excuse me, a vet tech. Thank you. Yeah, right. Um, so you know, they are a little bit different. I get it, but like, what what they're doing is not all that dissimilar when you really get down to like the brass tacks of it. But you, you know, we look at one. And we say, ah, that is justified. We look at the other and we say, that's not justified. So, you know, look, we'll, we'll go into it, but it's it's going to be an interesting discussion thinking about these things. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what we'll leave our listeners with is, you know, just the think about the repercussions of your actions and if it's really worth it. You know, as the old saying goes, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Yeah. Whether you believe that or not, just think about it before yeah. you decide to kind of uh, take action on your revenge or your vengeance. Uh, and think about, you know, think about the uh, brain implications on yourself and on others and if it's really worth it. And just yeah. take time. Take time to think about things. Ch chances are it's probably not. Um, I would suggest just think about it, masturbate, and you'll be fine. Um, yeah. Anyways, folks, uh, that does it for our horror in real life segment. We'll take a little break here and we'll be right back with what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. 
It's time for What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, You Vengeful Bitch. And this is the part of the, the part of the show. I cannot speak today. I'm usually much more articulate. Anyways, this is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been watching, bitch. It could be anything, really, and it usually is anything. And Andrew is going to tell us his first item in What You've Been Watching, bitch. My first one today comes to you by Amazon. I don't know why I'm talking in this accent. <laughs> Go for it. I like it. Um, no, uh, this comes to us from Amazon Prime. It is called Swarm. Um, this is a very, oh, this show. I, have you heard anything about this? Uh, I've heard just a little bit about it. It is rough. Uh, and I don't mean in a way of like, it's bad. I mean, like the, the, uh, the subject matter is very tough. Okay. Uh, so basically, it follows this girl who is maybe on the spectrum. They don't really explore that, but she definitely has like some things not quite okay. clicking in her social behavior. Um, and she uh, is a she was a foster child, uh, and she lives with her sister now. And they're they're both obsessed with this like quote unquote like Beyonce type figure. Uh, like they don't quote they don't say it's Beyonce, but there's like another name. But it's essentially. Okay. Everything that they allude to in the show is like, oh, this is because if you think about uh, Beyonce, she has the beehive, sure, or the sure. bay, or the bayhive, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then um, this is like her her little group is called the Swarm, uh, the her fans, and this girl is like the number one fan, and it just follows her <laughs> her journey, I'll say, of trying to basically, you know, uh, above all else, be the number one fan, but she also Anybody that disagrees with her about anything, uh, according to this uh, this pop star, they're not going to live long. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and she just goes on this spree of going across the country and living her life and being her number one fan. It's really this show is really, really good. Wow. But it is but it is dark. Uh, I will say that um, somebody that shows up in one of the episodes, this is not a spoiler because I won't say what her character is, but I, I, you know how when you, you pause on Amazon prime and you yeah. can like see who's like in the scene or whatever. Sure. Um, I was like, is that? And so I paused it and sure enough, Billy fucking Eilish is in one of these episodes. Oh my God, that's plays, crazy. And plays like a main role in one of the episodes, which I was like, didn't know she had acting chops or didn't know she wanted to be an actress. Well, that's uh, wild. But she was really good. She plays kind of like a folksy uh, cult leader-ish type of thing. That's awesome. Um, I definitely recommend this show. It's really good. I think it's only eight episodes, six episodes. So not a huge time commitment. I think the episodes are like 30, 40 minutes. Um, And this shit is real dark. Uh, It's by the same guy who did Atlanta. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, But uh, just a really weird show for Amazon but I definitely recommend it, especially for horror fans. Okay, cool. I will definitely check that out. Uh, my first item is the newest season of Succession. Um, of course, you can watch us on HBO or in Europe on Now On Demand. Um, this is the fourth season of Succession, and it is the final season of Succession, which I'm really glad to see. I love it when it doesn't drag on for like eight seasons. Agreed. That, that's so good. So this is the fourth, fourth and the final um, and look, it's, I've only seen the, the two episodes so far because that's all that we've had. Um, and it's off to a great start, just like the rest of them. Um, love this show. 
It is Shakespearean. It is Greek drama, um, all encased in, a, in an uber wealthy family in America. And it's just so much fun to watch. Um, and in the second episode, um, our friend from college, Aryan Moayed, who plays Stewie, um, is back in it. And it's oh, it's just always so cool to see Aryan on, on the big screen, whatever he, whether it's a movie or whether it's a TV show or whether it's Broadway or whatever. Um, because he's just one of the nicest guys in the world. If if you watch the show, you'll know that Stewie's a bit of an asshole. I can tell you that is diametrically completely opposite of who Aryan is. So it's just it's fun to watch him be bad. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's a great show. I'm so happy that it's back, and that is Succession season four. Uh, my next one it comes to us from Hulu. Um, this is a new show. It's called Up Here. It took me forever to understand why it's called that. Um, and I could never remember the name of the show. So I'd always have to save it to my Hulu account because I was like, I really like this show, but I don't understand why it's called this. And then Michael explained it to me and it literally clicked in one second. So I, I'll explain it to you. Um <clears throat> So Up Here is a musical show. Uh, it is comes to us from the creators of Hamilton. Um, and it stars Mae Whitman, who was in Good Girls and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. She's been in a ton of stuff. And she plays a girl who basically is in probably I'd say like her mid 20s and then it but has like been married since high school and lives in Ohio and just like is kind of fed up with her life and has like a mini crisis and just decides i'm moving to new york city and i'm going to become a writer it's what i've always wanted to do i'm leaving my husband i'm going to new york and this is like new york prior to uh, 2001 so it's like joyous new york you know what i mean like it yeah, doesn't sure. have the it doesn't have the 9-11 under its under its belt um and it's just all about her like discovering herself in new york city and falling in love with a, another guy. But the the premise of the show is that she has all these personalities in her head. And that's why I'm like, oh, that's why it's called Up Here. Like, Up I Here. I see. In my head. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, and all the personalities in her head are all like people from her life. Like, her mom is one of the personalities. It's like her uh, high school bully is one of the personalities. And they like kind of, they're just like, in her ear all the time, like trying to tell her what to do. And she meets this other guy, and it turns out he has the same thing. He has people up in his head. Oh, weird. Are saying, like, are they saying, like, there's one really good one where he has a bully in his head that's like, you don't belong in Manhattan. Get out of here. Like, it's just like, it's a really cool, different dynamic for a show like this. And the musical numbers are all original, they're all really good. I'm just telling you, if you like this kind of thing, if you like musical theater, if you like musical shows, you need to check out Up Here. On That's Hulu. awesome. Cool. I will check it out. My next one is uh, a show that caught me by surprise. It's on Apple TV Plus, and it's called Hello Tomorrow. Hello Tomorrow um, is with Billy Crudup, who's also the executive producer. Um, Hank Azaria is in it, among a cast of other really great people. Um, Hello Tomorrow is kind of like... Um, how can I explain this? It's like, it, so it's in America. It's in like the fifties kind of, and it's, it's like, um, it's hard to explain. It's like a, it's like a futuristic fifties, right? So think about the fifties, right? There's no cell phones. There's no like internet or anything, but there's also hovering cars and like people are going to the moon. Does that oh, make sense weird. to you? Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like the Jetsons. You have to kind of bend your brain around it. But um, once you do, it is a brilliant little show. Um, it's a show all about Billy Crudup, who is a salesman. And he is uh, going around this town called Vista View, 
selling selling basically timeshares on the moon. Um, and he does it for a company called Brightside, and it's called Brightside because the the um, the uh, the timeshares, the homes, are on the bright side of the moon, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to give you a whole lot because I really don't want to spoil it for people because it's just, it's such an enjoyable show. Um, but it's just it's it's all about that. But it ends up hmm. being about like 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 any good story, it ends up being about family and about a lot of other things. Um, I thought it was just brilliant. It's 10 episodes. They're all kind of short because it's on Apple TV. It's like, they're like 33 minutes basically. Um, and they, it just, uh, the last episode just came out this last week. So you can binge the whole thing now. Um, I thought it was just wonderful. Give it a shot. It's, it's really, really good. Cool. Yeah. This, so this is like the thing that I, I think about what Apple TV is not doing a good job of doing is like, they have like these, like you said, like the Billy Crudup, you, uh, Hank Azaria, like they have mm-hmm. these casts that are just like incredible, yeah. but they'd never advertise their shows. Like yeah. they almost like, they almost want you to like discover it yourself, which I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah, sure. I the- mean, like, I mean, and they've, to be fair, like they've had so many good ones. I mean, right. like th- this one was great. Severance was a show that knocked me out. That show is so good. And you know, a, a smattering of others. Um, but so they never some, advertise them. <laughs> I know. They're, they're, I, I think that they. I think that they rely on the fact that just there's so many fucking Apple users that eventually you're just gonna see it and like it's kind of like free advertising almost. But I don't yeah. know. Who knows? Yeah, it's just interesting. I haven't like you. You always bring up these shows because I. I we don't have Apple TV Plus because I've never like seen the the. I, I think Michael eventually wants to get it to to watch Ted Lasso, which you talked about on the last episode. Oh, you you gotta but, watch. Like, oh my God, he'll fucking love that show. Jesus. But it's just like I don't see the value because they won't show me the value. Like you know well, what I mean? I mean, like, the, the, I, I think also too. Like if we think about Apple TV Plus, like the the evolution of Apple TV in general has been interesting because mm-hmm. for a while you had to have the Apple TV box, right? Yeah. And so, like for me, I've had an Apple TV box for I don't even know how long anymore. At least ten years, I've had one, right? Whereas like you haven't, and so yeah. like if you didn't have the Apple TV box for a long time you didn't really think about Apple TV as like a mainstay of how you streamed things. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. And so now, like now, of course, on smart TVs, and I, I don't know, your, your TV might have it too, but on a lot of smart TVs, they just, they have Apple TV built into it so you can just go into it and, you know, do your do your stuff there. Um, but I think that, that that's been sort of like the disconnect for a lot of people is that if you didn't yeah. have the box, you, you weren't really thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. All right, sorry. That side note <laughs> for people. Um, so my next one is currently on demand. However, I'm really I'm smacking myself in the face because I rented this thing, and as soon as it came on, the Shutter logo showed up. So I was like, "Well, eventually this is going to be on." Shutter, what is so this? Why did I rent this? Um, it is the new Children of the Corn. I didn't know this is uh, even happening. So this actually was made in 2021, but huh. it because of the pandemic, uh, it didn't really come out. So they're just now. I think Shutter maybe gave it some life and is going to like show it. But this is a new adaptation of Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Huh. Um, this is really different, though. Uh, this kind of shows the town as it goes through the upheaval. Of, oh, interesting. Okay, like killing off the parents and like why the children kind of revolt. Um, and who is like he who walks behind the rose? It's got it's got the elements of the Stephen King story, but it's told in a different way. Because if you remember from the actual story and from the movie, which we did on cults, is that terrifying? Sure. Years ago, uh, it was about like the two people that stumbled upon the town. This is about the actual town. Um, 
this is not a good movie. Um, oh boy. But uh, you know what? Is as bad as it was, I think people down the line might look at this as so bad it's good type of oh, material. Boy. Okay. <laughs> because God. the acting is so over the top. Uh, oh, no. for one thing, do you want to know do you want to know the reason uh, why the children are angry? Oh god, why? Because the government has come in because the corn is dying. Uh, they have told the parents, we will pay you subsidies to not grow corn. And then that's why the children uh, revolt against their parents. Uh, there's a lot of other reasons, too, because like uh, adults are corrupt and don't have did the it, innocence of children. Did a, uh, did a graduate student write this? Is that a... <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Um, this movie is really bad. There's uh, the, So unlike... Well, I guess they do show he walks behind the rose in a certain way in the movie. Um, but they full on give you he who walks behind the rose and it does not look great. Malachi. <laughs> so, Malachi. And there's no Malachi. It's Malachi. actually you know what this should be called? It should be called Children of the Corn. It's a girl this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is what I'll advise to our listeners. Don't rent it for the $8 like I Just watch did. watch it on Shutter. Yeah. Just wait till it goes to Shutter in like a month. And then, you know, uh, smoke a little something, drink a little something, whatever is, whatever's your, yeah, your, sure. your boat. And give it a watch. Because I at the end of the day, I was very entertained. But it was more from laughing and That's not, funny. Like, not That's being funny. scared. So, <laughs> Children of the Corn. Now, my next one, I got to tell you. So, I slept on this one. And um, this is the best film that I saw from 2022. No joke. I wanted Tri- to watch this, and I was turned off by the uh, the runtime. Triangle of Sadness is a brilliant fucking movie. It is so good. I, I, I honestly couldn't believe how good it was. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I just didn't give it any time because I, I was just I was thinking about other other things, and I thought that I was too good for this movie. I think. And, um, then I also avoided it because, um, uh, you know, I date a lot of people. I was dating a model for a minute. <laughs> I was dating a Belgian model and this movie is kind of about modeling. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to watch that right now. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> then I stopped dating the Belgian model and now I watched it and I'm really glad of two things. Number one, that I stopped dating the Belgian model cause he was not good. And also that I watched this brilliant film. So Triangle of Sadness, um, uh, here, here's, the, here's a little blurb. It's models Carl and Yaya are invited for a luxury cruise with a rogues gallery of super rich passengers. At first, everything appears Instagrammable, but the cruise ends catastrophically and the group find themselves marooned on a desert island. Now, here's the thing. It is long. It's about two and a half hours long. But let me tell you, it actually sort of flies, it fucking flies by because so much happens in this movie. There's a lot of action and it just keeps rolling. It just keeps going. And the cast is fucking brilliant. Woody Harrelson is in it as an unhinged captain of this mega yacht. Um, Harris Dickinson, who may be, he's possibly one of the most beautiful humans that has ever been created in the history of mankind. I mean, Harris Dickinson is fucking like the hottest person in the world. Um, he plays one of the models. And then Charlie Dean um, played the other model, um, his girlfriend, Yaya. Now, one thing about this that I didn't know until after I watched it is, you know, this this came out in 2022. It was it was it was it had it was up for for best picture at the Oscars and a couple of other things. Um, 
Charlby Dean, who played Yaya, um, died in December. She mysteriously died. She got fucking sepsis and fucking died. Can you believe that shit? Absolutely crazy. Oh my gosh. Like the height of her career. I think she was 32, I want to say. And like she just, she got some crazy kind of like septicemia kind of shit and she fucking died. It's such a, such a sad story because she was also really, really good. Um, the movie is, is, is told in, I think three acts might be four acts. No, it's three acts. Um, and, um, it's the shit that happens is just wild. Like I won't give it away. I, I really think you should just watch it and, um, you will laugh a lot. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of funny shit that happens, but also like a lot of crazy shit. And just like, you, like you, you can't believe that this is going on. Um, it's, it's ultimately a movie about like the haves and the have nots. It's sort of like white Lotus on steroids, I would say in a lot of ways. Um, and I just, I fucking thought it was brilliant. It was so good. So triangle of sadness, um, it's playing on many things. Go watch it somewhere. I am going to watch this eventually. I just, I need to carve out two and a half hours. <laughs> I, you know what, Andrew, I, I, you, you and I don't always have the same taste in non-horror movies. Yeah. But this is one I think you might like. No, I watched the preview and I was like, yeah, that looks like something I'd like. So I'm eventually yeah. going to get to this for sure. Uh, for American viewers, uh, you can watch it on Hulu, I know for sure. Yeah, and, and I watch it on Amazon Prime over here, so you might be able to get it on there too, possibly. Who knows? Yeah. There's a lot of overlap right now, which is leading yeah. me to believe that some of these companies might be merging at some point. You know what? I'll tell you what. I, may they all just merge into one. I don't even seriously. care anymore. Like I just merge into one and, and you can just charge me 50 bucks a month. I'm fine yeah, with it. Seriously. I don't care. It's just, you know what that's called? Cable. <laughs> exactly. Just give it to me. It's fine. Um, all right. So my last one here is Yellow Jackets. Season two, Yellow Jackets is finally back. I'm sure everyone's watching it. But Ugh, you know what? So it. am I. Um, we're only two episodes in, but I got to say, uh, they're paying off what okay, you... Good. Because I thought going into this new season, I'm like, I swear to God, if they start this off where there's like more mystery and more yeah. ooh, do, 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 I'm going to be pissed. Like you left us with so many cliffhangers in that first season. You need to pay this off. And I'm tell- here to tell you, Maddie, are they? they do. Okay, good, uh, good. We are only two episodes in and so much has happened already. So wow. I'm really excited for the rest of the series. I don't know how many episodes are in this season, but... It's starting off with a bang, and I'm really happy to report that they're just going for it, which is awesome. awesome. I <laughs> so, love it. Good. That's I, all I have, I have to I, say. But. I haven't watched a second of it yet, but I cannot wait to watch it. It's really uh, good. Everyone does their everyone's doing their job. So awesome. Um, my final one is um, a really special one. I got to go to um, a members preview. Pardon me. I'm um, I'm burpy today. Apparently. Um, sorry. Um, I got to go to a members preview uh, for the European premiere of the evil dead rise at lighthouse cinema um so thank you to lighthouse cinema and thank you to studio canal uk for for providing this awesome screening um and uh it was it was so good it was so much fun and um the director lee cronin was also there got to have a little q a with lee um got to meet him after take a little photo told him about the podcast that was really cool um, also told him about how we covered actually his first big film, which was The Hole in the Ground, um, when we did our Ireland is Terrifying episode back in 2019. Did we do that, Andrew, or 2020? I can't remember. Ugh, the time is but an endless circle. Yep, long, <laughs> long time ago. Um, so it was really cool to see, um, to see, you know, first of all, a really cool director, but also an Irish director um, really, really hit it big with this. 
And it's been, you know, now that I live in Ireland, of course, I'm super proud of it. Um, but like, it's been a year for for Ireland in cinema with Banshees of, of, of Inish Aaron and just, you know, a bunch of other really, really cool stuff. And this is honestly, this is one more thing, especially for horror fans. Um, Evil Dead Rise is an excellent entry in the franchise. Um, it's, you know, like, like any good horror film, it all comes back to family. And um, that's what I'll leave you with right there. It's vicious. It's funny. It's crazy. It's all the things that you want an Evil Dead to be um, told in a really tight, good story. And I think that Lee did a really great job with it. And it was just, it was a blast to watch. Um, and yeah, so I would definitely go see it when you get a chance. I, has it already, has it opened in America already? No, we got, we have a couple weeks here until. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think it's a worldwide release thing. Cause I know it's, it's April 21st here. Um, yep. Same here. Go, go, go see it. Go, go to the theater and see it. Don't, don't, don't watch this at home. Like go to the theater and have fun and like be with other horror fans who are going to scream and laugh and howl because it was just, honestly, it was such a fun night in the cinema last night, just being with people who were just having a good time. And I think that you will too. So Evil Dead Rise, I thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah, this is an interesting one because like there's no other franchise that I go into like just being I'm I'm like nervous. Yeah. <laughs> that makes any sense. Like I when when a new Evil Dead movie comes out, I get nervous because they're all they're always, especially like the newer ones, are always very gory, very over the top with the gore. And that kind of stuff just makes me a little nervous. I don't no, know. No, no, I get it. it. <laughs> you know, I, I would say this one is um don't say too much because I no, 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 I won't, I won't. You know, what one of the things that we talked about in the QA was like there there's not a whole lot of rules when it comes to Evil Dead. You know what I mean? No, like, not at all. You you can kind of you can kind of do whatever you want. And Lee even talked about that. Like, you know, of course Bruce Campbell was um was was one of the executive producers and like they had a chat about this and bruce was like do whatever you want it's evil dead you know what i mean and so like that's what lee did he put something together and you know here it is and you know i'm not a big gore person either and like body horror and like you know like nails falling off and like you know stuff like that like it's hard to watch and there's definitely more than a few parts in this that will be hard to watch for you know most sane people but i i won't say it's over the top though to be honest, okay. you okay. know, like I, I think it's, I think it's, um, it's what it should be for an Evil Dead film without being too crazy. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those, uh, you get that weird feeling in your stomach walking into the theater, and you're mm-hmm. like, do I want to do this right now? Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, but. I was, I was real hungover going to see it yesterday, and it's one of those hangovers where like you have anxiety. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. like, and like your your heart's beating fast already. You're like, oh, when is this hangover going to end? And I was sitting there in the movie thinking, wait a minute, did I did I make the right decision to come watch this tonight? Like, am I going to have an anxiety <laughs> attack watching this? And thank God I didn't. Um, so I hope that you have fun with it, too. Uh, so there was another great edition of What You've Been Watching, Bitch. Andrew brought us Swarm on Amazon Prime up here on Hulu. Children of the Corn, which is on demand, but it'll probably be on Shutter very soon. And Yellow Jackets Season 2. And Maddie brought us Succession, which is on HBO. Hello Tomorrow on Apple TV+. Plus. Triangle of Sadness on Amazon Prime, and Evil Dead Rise coming soon to theaters. And that will do it for What You've Been Watching, Bitch. We will take our first break, and we'll be right back with our first revenge flick, The Crow. People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes, 
Just sometimes, the crow can bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. Gasoline, I smell. <laughs> Victims, aren't we all? It's time for The Crow. Maddie, tell us all about The Crow. Believe in angels. Exactly one year after young rock guitarist Eric Draven and his fiancée are brutally killed by a ruthless gang of criminals, Draven, watched over by a hypnotic crow, returns from the grave to exact revenge. The Crow was directed by Alex Proyas. It was written by James O'Barr, who wrote the comic book series and the comic strip, uh, David J. Shaw, who wrote the screenplay, and John Shirley, who also helped on the screenplay. It was produced by Crow Vision, Inc., and distributed by Miramax. Uh, Brandon Lee played Eric. Rochelle Davis played Sarah. Ernie Hudson played Officer Albrecht. He's a cop yet again. Uh, Michael Wincott played Top Dollar. Anna Thompson plays Darla. Tony fucking Todd plays Grange, Lawrence Mason plays Tintin, David Patrick Kelly played T-Bird, and Bai Ling played Micah. The film is rated R. It's 102 minutes long and made in America. It was released May 13th, 1994. I wasn't even 12 years old yet. Um, and it's, uh, it was filmed in Los Angeles, California, and in Wilmington, North Carolina. The budget was actually an astounding, for that time, $23 million dollars. Um, and it brought in $51 million. Um, the Crow, what a movie. And uh, it's a bit of a legend. Um, Andrew, what'd you think about The Crow? Yeah, so uh, this is a this is an interesting one for me because I, I think it's been so long since I've seen this movie that it felt like a new movie again. Sure. Like, I, like, I don't think I've seen this since I was a teenager, yeah. <laughs> like, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm more familiar with The Crow City of Angels, which came out two years later. Okay. Um, that's just like my... Because I remember, for some reason, I remembered that uh, the, the Yellow Ranger was an enemy in this and i was like wait no that's by ling like why why yeah. are not remembering right i mean she was in the crow city of angels because she tragically died in an accident too uh she was hit by a drunk driver um but then i was like wow this this must be one of those those cursed films but i was like no that's by ling i'm thinking of a different movie so <laughs> um going into this this was like a whole new experience for me and like honestly i think that this could be one of those movies that maybe could be remade um sure for like a modern audience because i do think the sentiment of the movie and like what it's all about is very relevant or relevant relevant for uh the times right now and i do think the idea of the movie is good i think what this suffers from is not committing to its r rating uh because yeah, a lot enough. of the t- a lot of the times when we're sh- like 
when we could have really cool gore and like action movie gore, it kind of like turns away. The camera turns away from it. Um, I honestly don't really know why this movie's rated R. Maybe just because of like the his healing wound action. I'm not really sure because I'm a lot sure. of times we don't see like the the actual gore. Um, but overall, I think that maybe for for me, this movie suffers a little bit from the time that it was made and the technology mm-hmm. that was available to it. Without a doubt. Um, but I do think that everyone turns in a good performance. I think that this definitely feels like a comic book movie. Like it has like like when it shows like the city, you're like the city is like slightly odd, like the way it's like kind of yeah. like like uh, built up and everything like you can't it's not new york it's not chicago it's not detroit it's its own like weird entity um but overall i i had a good time with this i think that they spend maybe a little bit too much time on the flashback stuff because it got a little um tedious for me like all of the flashbacks uh, I wish we could have maybe just seen some of their life before and then they get killed and then we go into the movie because we go into the movie with them have already been killed. Um, but overall, I still had a good time with it. I think it's a yeah. good horror action movie. Um, and I, I have some... <laughs> I have some... The, the, these villains, I don't know what their plan is here and we'll get into it, but like, I don't I don't get what these guys are trying to do. <laughs> just, um, just wreak a little havoc, you know? Yeah, but overall, I had fun with it. Uh, was do I think it's like ten minutes too long? Probably, but uh, I, I had a good time going back to the '90s and in this era of the '90s, which we'll talk about. But Maddie, what did you think? You know, um, so the the crow is uh, when I think about the crow, I think first about the soundtrack actually, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the the soundtrack for the crow is fucking amazing. You've got you got you got like all of the best '90s bands: in, Stone in Temple this. Pilots, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Nine Inch Nails, um, <clears throat> uh, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, uh, Violent Femmes, The Cure. Forgot The Cure wrote an original song for this, as did Nine Inch Nails. Like that's that's that alone is fucking incredible. And like the the soundtrack was, was what you know us as teenagers, what we heard. Why well, I wasn't even a teenager then, right? I was what eleven years old, twelve years old. God, I miss um, a good soundtrack. Yeah, I miss right? it so I much. They, they, it's, it used to be different, right? Um, yeah. But like, that's what we heard first. And like, and like, thinking about, um, you know, the the Big Empty, which is the the STP song on the soundtrack. Like, this is what th- this movie made that fucking song famous. You know? Yeah. And like, when we were kids, like we we were fucking obsessed with that song. And like, just going to see the Crow was almost like a vehicle for listening to the soundtrack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I, I distinctly <laughs> remember going going to the the cinema to go see it with my friends and, um, you know, probably being maybe a little bit too young for it and not really like getting it because I didn't understand it. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I've seen it many times and I, I think the crow I think the crow is, um, you know, is the crow perfect? Good God. No, it's really not. But like, is it a pretty good dark movie? Yeah, it is. And like, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about it right now because actually the 30, the 30th anniversary would have been in March, what last month. And, and also of course, with that, you got to think about Brandon Lee died 30 years ago when he was shot accidentally with a prop gun on the set. And so, you know, I, I think that the movie has been overshadowed by that for so long. Right. I mean, like it's, it's, it's hard to think about the crow or talk about the crow and not talk about how Brandon Lee got killed on set. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Brandon Lee was just, he was by all accounts, he was an awesome guy. He's Bruce Lee's fucking son. He was, you know, beautiful as hell. And like, and also he was really talented. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a wild movie. I, I think you're right too. Like, look, the villains are, the villains are, are crazy. You know, my, my, what is it? Michael Wincott. Yeah. My, Michael Wincott, you know, with that big raspy voice. Um, I mean, he's, he, has he ever played anything but a villain? Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. every single thing you've seen him in, he's always been a villain, whether it's, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves comes to mind, of course. Um, 1492 conquest of paradise with none other than Gerard Depardieu. Um, and then of course, you know, the crow it's, it's what he always plays and he plays it so well. And even with, with some of the really cheesy lines in it, let's just face the fucking facts. Well, it, yeah, it, well, there's the one where he, when the crow comes in and like, uh, comes into their meeting yeah, and the villain says, nice outfit. And meanwhile, he's wearing like a pirate <laughs> outfit. <laughs> but you know what too? Like that was, it was, it was such, it was still early nineties then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I get it. And the early nineties didn't, it, it was a time when there wasn't really one. It, it's, it's so different to think about that time as opposed to now where like th- there were so many opportunities to be so many different things in the nineties. Monoculture was not a thing. It like, wasn't it, it, that that's the way to put it. It wasn't a thing at all. And so it was like actually totally normal to have like, you know, if, if you think about the gang of people like, you know, Tintin and T-Bird and, and, you know, fl- uh, whatever it's called Flyboy or whatever, like they're, they're all fucking, they're all fucking weirdos. But like they were, they were nineties weirdos. It actually makes mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, no, no, no. I totally get it, and I was transported back to that time, which was. But and but before we move on from the soundtrack, just real quick, I just wanted to make one little comment about the soundtrack. Is like this music, and for all people for our age, will understand this comment. This music is what you listen to to prove that you weren't gay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i do know what you mean that, that, that that's really funny um yeah i mean it's I, I, look i i don't look back to what i was saying earlier i don't think it's a perfect movie but but i do think it's good um and i really enjoyed watching it again i had a lot of fun with it and I, you know and i like you i haven't watched this in a long time it's been i don't know maybe 10 years or so since i last watched the crow um so it was it was good to watch it now as a 40 year old and to see if it still holds up and, you know, the little parts that don't hold up, I didn't really care about. You know what I mean? Sure, I, I, sure, I let yeah. them go. And um, I, I thought it actually was really special to look back on 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 this last performance from Brandon Lee and to see what yeah, a good that's job the he did. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, ugh, I, I don't mean to be weird about it, but like what a way to go out, like doing something really fucking cool. And it's so tragic what happened. Like, of course, I, everyone wishes that it didn't happen. But like, man, what a dude. You know, yeah, and I mean, it's just crazy to think that you know this just happened again with Alec Baldwin and what happened with, with his his movie. Yeah. But um, so essentially, well, let's just let's just handle the Brandon Lee of it all right now, and yeah, then please. we can go back to the movie. But essentially, what happened is there was a prop gun that still had a tip of a bullet in it, and when they shot it with the blank, the you know the tip of the bullet was still there, and it, it impaled him and ultimately ended up killing him. Um, what the sad thing about this is, is that he and you'll see it at the end of the movie uh, when it says uh, dedicated. What did it say? It said uh, it for, says, Brand, it says for, for Brandon, Brandon and Eliza. Yeah. So and I, I turned to my I turned to myself and I said, well, who's Eliza? Did she yeah. die too? Is she another actress? That was unfortunately uh, Brandon Lee's fiance. They were actually scheduled to be married in 1993 after this movie was completed. So. There is kind of a... Uh, it mirrors the movie. 
Yeah. And that's like the saddest part of it. Right. Like that's, Ugh, it's like a heavy blanket over this movie that, yeah. um, and and I will say I did read some articles and uh, Brandon Lee's family was completely behind this movie coming out and releasing it. Yeah, um, there was only I, I read that there were only eight days of shooting left when they like when he when this accident happened, and they were able to use his stunt uh, stunt doubles to kind of complete what was needed. Um, well, and they, they, he, they, there there was a mask taken of him too. Yeah, I had heard. Yeah. Yeah. But essentially, he had filmed almost the entire movie, and um, to honor his life, they still wanted to like let this movie come out. But it comes with the stigma of this accident, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. No. No. Um, no. His his mom did 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 end up suing though, um, and her name was Linda Lee Caldwell. Um, the, the, she was the widow of Bruce Lee and and, and Brandon's mother. She filed a negligence case against the producer um, Edward Pressman, the actor Michael Massey, who was the one who who held the gun. Um, and 12 other defendants. And eventually they settled out of court for $3 million. Wow. Um, and uh, so a couple things. Uh, I think that this movie could have played up the fact that that it happened over Halloween a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, because I think when people say like, well, what are your favorite movies that take place at Halloween? I don't think The Crow ever comes up. But yeah. it is a very big point in this movie that it is Devil's Night. Um, and that the next day they were supposed to be married was Halloween. And I'm like, well, where are the jack-o'-lanterns? Yeah, <laughs> like, there's I only know. like three pumpkins in this whole movie. Um, so I think that they could have played that up a little bit more. I would have really liked that because I think this could have been like somebody's like Halloween watch every year if they kind of like played up the that that fact. Um, I thought um a couple things. So they're killed, and then we are cut to a year later. Um yeah. How is that cat still alive? And how is that cat so white? <laughs> it's so clean. It's so clean. Um, and uh, Ernie Hudson likes ketchup and onions on his hot dog, which is disgusting. <sighs> er Ernie Hudson always plays the same character. I love it. He's, and, you know, like he's just classic Ernie Hudson. Everything I mean, he's that you good see at him it. In, I, but that's, that's just the thing. He's so good at it. Everything that you see him in, that man is just good. Um, the punks play this game where they like play around with a bullet in their mouth and the one guy swallows it. And all I could think about in my elder life is, wow, that's going to be a really tough bowel movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, like I said, uh, when he initially comes back from the dead, quote unquote, because we're not really clear if he's like a super, well, I guess he is kind of a supernatural being, but like. It's a little it's a little wonky on like what he really is because he's not a zombie, but he's not he's just like a spirit, but he also has a body. So it's yeah, you know, it's 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 a bit of interesting like like play, right? Because mm -hmm. I mean like, you know, Brandon, I should say, if Eric comes back, of course, but you know, Shelly doesn't come back. So right. you know, why does Eric come back? And like, you know, we 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 don't find out like the um the magical connection until the the mobsters put it together. They're right. like, oh, if you hurt the crow, but because uh because Micah says it, um, uh, if you hurt the crow, then you will be able to 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 hurt the man. And so like it it takes a little while to get there. So I get what you're saying. Like if for 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 the while before you find that out, you you don't have a clear idea of how he's able to do this. Yeah, yeah. I, however, I do appreciate that this hero can get hurt. Like they can yeah. 
shoot like because like in all the other movies you know we think about movies kind of like this we think about the punisher we think about um batman um, batman and these all these guys like are doing all these crazy th- you know the bond of them all and yeah they never get shot they they have hundreds of bullets flying at them but they never get shot what i do appreciate about the crow is that he gets fucking shot <laughs> like A he lot. gets like hurt <laughs> so i mean he and, heals and, and stabbed and everything else yeah, so I I did appreciate that because it shows like a vulnerability that these kind of like quote unquote comic book or superhero movies don't really show a lot, yeah. which I I did like. Um, I think so. Did Batman the the original Batman came out in like nineteen eighty eight, right? Eighty nine, eighty eight or eighty nine. I I'll, I'll check that, right now. The crow does look very Joker-esque in his makeup. So I don't know if that's a direct pickup from the Okay, 89. I don't know if that's a direct pickup from the comic book and that's why they styled him this way, but I was like, it's pretty much the Joker, but the crow. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because like, you know, I I do know that they they modeled Heath Ledger's makeup off of off of this, right? Oh, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, so when we think about, you know, the the more modern, well, I should say because what's his face is the Joker now, Joaquin uh, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Um, but when it when it was Heath Ledger, I mean, he basically had crow makeup on when when you yeah, think about it. Yeah. And like when it was what's his face, Jack Nicholson, um, it was the, the the Joker back then was a lot more colorful, weren't they? Like yeah, more it was green just more. Purple. But it was the same type of makeup. It was just yeah, more enough. clowny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think so. I thought that the set piece of him with the shotgun full of rings was really good. Oh, it's so good. I wish that he would have killed that guy that he ends up uh, stabbing a bunch with a knife, who was the guy who was pawning off the yeah. rings. I wish he would have killed him that way because I thought that that would have been poetic justice. And, of and him what's that like, guy's name? Uh, Lawrence Mason. Lawrence Mason's voice is just so iconic in films. Like you can mm-hmm. always tell it's him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh let's see here oh i <laughs> so when we go to kill uh like fun guy or whatever his name the guy, the guy who's high fun the boy. entire time fun boy. um when we go to kill him i there was a there was a part that i literally laughed out loud it's when they 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 just got high on morphine and um darla and and him and she they're kind of like making out and whatever and <laughs> the crow the crow the bird comes in and she just looks at the bird and she, because she's high she goes there's a big fucking bird over there <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally <laughs> just made me laugh really loud, really loud no no sp- speaking of darla uh, there is there's one part of the film that i really really love and it's when it's it's when you know uh when eric goes to confront um the both of them while they're in bed right and he kills yeah. the dude and, and she's she's in the bathroom she's got, he like, says look what you've done to my sheets <laughs> oh, i know right which is also kind of a funny little thing not even kind of it it's a hilarious line um but when he gets her in in the bathroom and he grabs her arm and he says you know mother is the word for god on the lips and uh, on the lips and hearts of all children and morphine is bad for you and he squeezes out the morphine from her arm that's just that's such a cool scene, you know, and like, you know, like I'm, I think I'm just a lot even I'm even more emotional in my in my dotage now. Um, but like the scene where like she's making breakfast very shortly mm-hmm, thereafter mm-hmm. for um, for Sarah and like and like Sarah's like, I don't even like eggs. And she's, she's being kind of a bratty teenager, which looks she has every right to be, quite frankly. Um, and then like Darla is like, oh, I'm just a shitty mom anyway. And she starts throwing away the eggs. I started crying. <laughs> I started crying right there. <laughs> And like I just did it, I couldn't help it. 
And um, it was, it's just, I, th- I just think that little bit is really well done. And there's not a whole yeah. lot of time spent there. We don't linger there too long, but it's just a nice touch. And I, I really enjoyed that part of the film. Yeah, yeah. I actually would have liked a little bit more with Darla yeah, and the it. daughter, uh, sure. just because that that's not like fully explained or fully I thought agree with out. You. Yeah. Um, I can we talk about Ernie Hudson for a second? Sure. Yeah, in this movie. Of course. Um, yeah. I want to talk specifically about when Ernie Hudson is in his apartment. Uh, yeah, sure. Ernie Hudson is wearing boxers, an undershirt, and still his police cap. <laughs> it is the weirdest look I've ever seen. I didn't even think about this. <laughs> Um, and then if you look in the background when he's talking with the crow, um, and the crow is explaining that he's come back from the dead for something and he's kind of giving his MO and all that stuff. What is in the background on Ernie Hudson's couch? A basketball and a trombone. Oh my, that just what doesn't make any sense. That makes absolutely this no man sense. Doing with a basketball and a trombone for a police officer that is in his probably 40s, 50s at this point. That is that's that's very strange. Um, I, I, I appreciated that the club's name was trash. It's just literally just called trash, which I was like, yeah, that, that tracks for, uh, yeah, basically, 90s. yeah, <laughs> uh, heavy metal, uh, <laughs> clubs. Um, I like that, uh, Eric's name of his band is called hangs hangman's joke, which that's kind of funny. Yep. Yep. Um, I I did so I like when he takes revenge on all these people. I, I think that that's like the cool part of the movie. I truly did appreciate when he straps that man to his car and sends him careening off of the the dock and he blows up. I thought that that was a, a good, and I loved. I don't know why this like got me, but when he lit that crow on that crow symbol on fire on oh, the ground, I was awesome. like iconic, iconic. <laughs> it, it's I mean it's just like it's so it's so fucking cool and like you know I think that that's the thing about the film right is like. There, there, there are definitely parts that that aren't great and that that don't work. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. there are so many more cool parts like that, and the parts yeah. are just like like just like get you down to your gut. You're like, fuck yes, that that's awesome. I love that shit. Um, there is a lot of parkour before parkour in oh, this yeah. movie. I'll say that. Sure. Yeah, and you are uh, a big you are a big parkour fan. Yeah, <laughs> I do it all the time. You know. Um, I I was really disappointed by Micah's downfall. I will say that. Um, I think that sh- they they shape her up to be such a badass, and then all she does is get her eyes like pecked out by the crow <laughs> bird. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I thought she was gonna fight. But I mean, it, it is kind of amazing though. Um, there's one line in here that I was like, wow, uh, script supervisor, I think you could have, uh, punched this one up a little bit, uh, but it's right after they uh, damage the crow and then he's able to kind of be damaged himself. And Ernie Hudson and him have a two line, uh, exchange where Ernie Hudson goes, I thought you were invincible. And then Brandon Lee goes, I was, but not anymore. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I get what you're trying to do here, but could we have not done this in a little bit more of an effortless way? I was, <laughs> but not now. Yeah. Um, That's funny. I, I do like at the end of the I, I do like the end of the movie where we're kind of getting our uh, we you know we have the really bad guy who gets who is basically like a, a modern day pirate. Yeah, I don't know what his thing is. He's a swashbuckler because he has a sword and whatnot, and he gets Jesus impaled God on the lady. on the on the gargoyle, which I thought was good. But once again, I wanted to see it, and they kind of yeah. like they don't let you see it. <laughs> like, I wanted to see him like really get it. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, we get the like the do 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 line of where Brandon Lee disappears and, and Ernie Hudson says, he does that a lot. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, and then he goes back to, uh, what's the woman's name? Shelly, right? Shelly. Yeah. Shelley. yeah. Uh, and, you know, he she takes him back into the, the underworld or whatever you want, the suite hereafter, however yeah. you want to see, like, yeah. whatever. Um, and then we do get the, uh, the, the, the line at the end where buildings burn, people die, but real love is forever yeah um so listen do i think the crow was a little cheesy yes same did i have fun with it yes same do i think a lot of the performance is really good yes i don't know if it holds up to like modern eyes if yeah. i'm being totally honest Fair uh, enough. but i still had a good time with it was there anything else you wanted to talk about with no, crow. I, I, I think that's it. You know, I, I would or say that, that my, none of the birds are actually crows. There, yeah, fair, fair enough. There, yeah. there is that. Um, and also, one more thing is that Cameron Diaz was was originally offered the role of Shelley, which which would have been interesting to see. Um, She's too busy doing, doing the mask. Exactly right. <laughs> but you know, my my final thought on the film was that it's it's a, it's number one. It's a '90s staple. It's not perfect, but it's very fucking good. And you know, Lee's tragic death, of course, solidified it as legendary. It also has one hell of a fucking soundtrack. And Andrew, I gave this film a five and a half out of seven stripes. I said some really great action here, but ultimately I think it suffer. It just suffers from when it was made and the technology available. Everyone's doing their best, but it feels a bit overlong. I gave it a 4.5. Nice. Well, folks, that does it for The Crow. Uh, we're going to fly over here real quick, take a break, and we will be right back with our second film of the episode, which is Ma. Are you going to meet a boy? No sex or booze. Okay. Woo! Maggie came to party. Let's get filthy. Got you sipping on it. Got you talking crazy. Excuse me. Can you buy some booze for my friends and I? <sighs> Not interested. Please? Heal. Woo! There's my girl. This never happened, okay? Thanks again for doing this, ma'am. You guys want to party like rock stars? Follow me. Let's get drunk! The bar is open. What do you think? We don't know this chick. It ain't much, but it's all you. Cool basement. You're free to do whatever you want down here, but nobody go upstairs. This is so sick. Welcome to Mars. What? Love Ma. <gasps> it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> How did she get our numbers? You know where the party is. Mm. Those earrings are beautiful, Maggie. You got a sweet mama, huh? Who are you with? Just some kids from school. <laughs> you have a boyfriend. <laughs> Men are dogs. There's something off about Ma. Seriously? She's harmless. And her basement's pretty much the best drinking spot in town. We can't go up there. Thanks for these earrings. What happened last night? You don't remember, do you? Are you guys mad at me for something? I don't want to hang out at Ma's anymore. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. Max, I want you to meet someone. Nice to meet you, Maggie. We went to high school together. Why is my son? He smelled just like your daddy. Spending time at your house. Hey, guys. That bitch is crazy probably something wrong with me don't make me drink alone it's time for ma 
Andrew, tell us all about Ma. Get home safe. Sue Ann is a loner who keeps to herself in her quiet Ohio town. One day, she is asked by Maggie, a new teenager in town, to buy some booze for her and her friends. And Sue Ann sees the chance to make some unsuspecting, if younger, friends of her own. Directed by Tate Taylor, written by Scotty Landis. Production company and distribution was handed by Bloomhouse and Universal. Sue Ann is played by Octavia Spencer. Maggie is played by Diana Silvers. Erica is played by Juliette Lewis. Haley is played by McKaylee Miller. Andy is played by Corey Fogelmanis. Chaz is played by Gianni Paolo. Darrell is played by Dante Brown. And Dr. Brooks is underwhelmingly played by Allison Janney. <laughs> um, Rated R, released on May 31st of 2019. This movie comes in at 99 minutes. It is l- the filmed in Matches. Matches? Matches? Yeah, Matches. Oh, Natchez. Mis- Natchez. Pardon me. I put, an, I put an M there on accident. Oh, oh Natchez? It is? Natchez. Yeah, Natchez. Natchez, Mississippi. And it was a $5 million budget, as is almost every Bloomhouse movie there is out there. And it made $61 million, just like every other Bloomhouse movie out there. You so, know, it, 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 I, I like to refer to this film as from the team that brought you the help. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, all right, Maddie, uh, have you seen Ma before and what are your initial thoughts? Yeah. So actually, no, that this was my first time watching it. I, I had never gotten around to it when it, when it came out. Um, and, uh, Ma is, is it's quite a film. Insane. Um, it, it is truly by the team that brought you the help. I'm not lying about that. Um, Tate Taylor directed this, who also directed the help. Octavia Spencer, of course, was also in the help. Um, a little tidbit about this. Ma was originally written for a white woman to play, which is really interesting. Um, and uh, Tate Taylor thought, no, you know what? Octavia Spencer would actually be great for this role. And so he changed it up. Octavia um, Spencer showed him his da- her dance moves. And he, he sure like, did. You got, you got sure the movie. did. Um, Listen, you know, I think Ma Ma largely works. Um, I think that it, it's a, it's a, it is a bit of a scary little, little film because, um, I think what it does really well is, it, of course, it plays with revenge. We know that. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk plenty about that. But it also sort of sneaks into that desire that we all have to hang out with young people. You know what I mean? And why do we enjoy hanging out with young people? Because they make you feel young too. And you do. If you're not careful, you'll end up doing stupid things with them and pretending like you're young when you're not, right? And so, like that is that's something that the film really does kind of explore. Is like. You know, do you really want to party with with people that are really, really young? In this case, high school young. That's maybe too young for anybody, right? And like, that's that's a lot. But I mean, it also like makes you think about like, I mean, I, I can think of people who were like Ma in my hometown. Not that they killed people or kept their daughters sick or whatever. I don't mean that part. But they were definitely the parents who like bought booze for their kids had parties at their houses and like they were the ones like where that kind of shit took place. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you, do you have the same kind of thing from your hometown? I mean, yeah, they, they, they were my parents. <laughs> so <laughs> see, there you go. Well, but, but, but you, you, you know what I mean? Like if that's, it's a lot. And so like, you know, it's, it's not hard to think about people in your own lives who are like this. I mean, that was my cousin. You know what I mean? Like my, my, I won't say, I won't say their name, but my cousin did that. And like, we would go party at her house. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how it yeah. was. I mean, everyone had that kind of thing. And it's crazy to think about like how much didn't go wrong, you know, when things could have gone very wrong. Um, I also think that the film 
in in opposition to the crow is you know back to our original discussion in the horror in real life uh, segment you know it's interesting to think about like okay why why are we thinking as an audience it's okay for for Eric Draven to do what he's doing we root for Eric Draven but we don't root for Ma to do what she's doing even with the incredible trauma that she incurred from childhood right and so it's it's this the film really deals with that light not light with that um with that thin line of morality around revenge. And I, th- I think it plays a fun game. Yeah. Um, I think listening to you talk about what you took away from the film and maybe what I took away from the film are maybe why this movie doesn't succeed as, as best as Ooh, it could. Me. Yeah, sure. Um, because like, I see this as like, Oh, she didn't want to buy them booze, but then she saw Andy who is the son of her, sure. you know, her, of her uh, bully essentially from high school and that all of a sudden clicked in her head and said oh i can get i i can in and enact revenge on him to get revenge on his father and then it kind of gets out of hand and like she kind of doesn't this is where i think the movie gets a little confusing because like i get like that part of it i get her wanting to seek revenge on her bullies from high school and seeing that like oh i could do it to the kid and that will therefore then get back at the husband sure. yeah however then she just starts to like invite all the high school kids over and yeah. having like all the parties and having like birthday parties for people that are ancillary to our, our, our main group of kids. And that's where I think like this goes a little off the rails. Cause I was like, why is she doing this for other people? Ultimately her thing is to get revenge on the, the, the parents of, or the parent of one of these kids. And I think, I think that that's where the movie maybe can't pick a lane on like sure. what it wants to be about. And I think that that's why it gets a little confusing for me. Um, because there's like a there's a part where she buys booze for like a whole nother group of kids and they like throw egg on her car and that actually that part did make me jump but <laughs> that's beyond the point but um and then they like kind of be like uh fuck you and and drive off and i'm like why is she putting herself through all of this if ultimately what she's trying to do is get revenge on the parent but maybe that's not her intent at the beginning Maybe that's part of what happens over time because she is confronted by Luke Evans' character, so Andy's dad, and he says, sure. "You know, why is my kid hanging out at your house? I have this tracker on my vans because he runs like a, a security uh, van, like where you'd put you'd pick up money and transport it to from a bank to another place and and whatnot." And he has trackers, and he sees that his son is always hanging out at Ma's house, and I'm just like. I kind of don't get the point of the movie. <laughs> like I don't yeah. really, I, it, it, it's just a little like all over the place for me. And I'm trying to find reason within the plot. That's kind of evading me at this moment. If that makes any well, sense. You know, she, she does, she says in, in the movie, um, and it's, if you, if you're not familiar with Greek theater, you, you might miss it or with, with Greek mythology. She, she says like, she, Oh, she, it's when she holds the gun up to Chaz and she like goes crazy. She's like strip boy, get naked. And then he does. Yeah. Um, and then like, she like, she laughs and she's like, I was just joking. Do you all think I was Medea or something? And so like this is actually based around, around the, the, the Greek tragedy from Euripides, Medea. And in Medea, it's, it's all about the woman Medea who seeks incredible revenge against, against her ex lover, Jason, uh, by murdering Jason's new wife and slaughtering their own children that they had together. 
And so like it's it's an incredible play if you've never read it or seen it before. I mean, if you, if you like Greek theater, that, that, that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, a lot of other stories have been based off of Medea. And so like, you know, whoever I forget who wrote this, but whoever what's their name? Scotty Landis. Um, they certainly had Medea in mind when they were writing it. But I agree with you that it's it's a little convoluted. It's 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 a it's an awfully convoluted way to get her revenge is what I would say. Yeah. 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 And then we you know, we throw Alice and Janney in here, which like let's she just be pops here. up all of a sudden. I know. And I'm like, what? She's going to she's going to play a bigger role for sure. Like for sure. She's they, coming back to play a bigger role in this movie. But then they, she's just dead in a dog cage. <laughs> and they, they paid top dollar to get Allison Janney and she they we barely even see her for God's sake. Yeah, I, I do like her character, though. I think she's funny. She's like very frustrated the with phone. Mom because she can't <laughs> do her job. Um, and and okay. I, li- I liked that part of it, too. I, I, just to, to pop on that, the, 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 the ways that they show Ma not being able to do her job are it's so fucking suburban. Uh, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It, it is suburban. Uh, I'm just going give it, to give it the whole motif. Suburban housewife social media. The way that they all stalk each other on social media is just, it's insane. It's so intense. And yeah. I, I thought that was really cool to see actually. Um, oh, I think that we left somebody out of the, ca- did we talk about Missy Pyle in this movie? No. Uh, or, Luke Evan, or Luke Evans. <laughs> oh, sorry. Listen, I can only put so many on the sheet. You know what I mean? Uh, so Missy Pyle plays Mercedes and Luke Evans. I can't think of his name, right? His character name, but he plays Andy's dad. Uh, ben. Uh, who, ben. Oh, who, oh, who were her main uh, bullies in high school and tricked her into giving, a, I guess, like another boy a blow. I yeah. Listen, I understand the trauma. I kind of get, I, I get that she was obsessed with Ben and then they tricked her into giving another kid a blowjob in a closet. But I kind of am like, okay. <laughs> like i don't yeah. know i don't know i don't know maybe well, i'm I, not you know look i, I it, it's certainly traumatic but i i do get what you're saying it doesn't seem as traumatic as to provoke all of these things afterward and so yeah. I, I i it's almost like maybe they were scared to go in another direction but that that's i think entirely possible i mean one thing that i think is interesting is that the movie avoids race for the most part altogether there mm-hmm. are there are a couple of of moments where it does not avoid race specifically where Darrell makes a joke about slavery to Ma. And then when she paints Darrell's face white n- near the end of the movie. So she I mean, says, like, there can only be one of us. Yeah. So like, I mean, the, the, those are the couple of parts where it touches on it. However, it largely avoids it in deep Mississippi, where also none of the white kids sound like they're from Mississippi. Well, it takes place in Ohio. Oh God, that's right. That's it just right. was filmed in Mississippi. in Ohio. I forgot about it. Never mind. Go ahead. No, I I made sure to check those license plates because I was like, where is this supposed to take place? God, I totally forgot that. Jesus. Um, but listen, uh, there's a couple things I want to say about this movie. Um, the couch in the back of the van is really not safe, and no one no, should do that. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, I f- completely forgot that Juliette Lewis was even in this movie. So to oh, see her she, pop and up, she's good in it too. I did, did, did I, I enjoyed her in this. No, I actually think the mom daughter relationship is really good. Yeah, like I how agree they how they interact with each other seems really natural, and like how a single mom daughter relationship would be in this situation. Yeah. So I, I did appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that the mom has like a normal job where she just yeah. like works at the casino and like slings drinks or whatever, like. I'm tired of these movies where everyone's like a fucking architect or a writer or like something like crazy. Like there are still a lot of people that just do regular jobs. They just have jobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they just, they go to them and they come and they come home. That's it. 
Um, I thought that her the one line that was really funny to me is that her little blonde friend, uh, Maggie's friend, she says, you know, you can smoke all you want until 25. And, and then if you quit, nothing bad will happen. And I was like, <laughs> that's not true, but that's, that's okay. Um, and then I did think it was funny that they keep saying like they, they're, they're alluding to that Maggie and Juliette Lewis, uh, that they're like that they're poor, but they drive like a Volvo wagon. And I was yeah, like, they, they don't seem so poor to me. Like they're, that's a really nice car. So I don't and know. Why. Maybe, she, maybe she got money from the divorce or something. Well, it's like it's alluded to in the movie that they had to move back from San Diego because they couldn't afford it anymore. And I was like, well, maybe sell your Volvo. I don't yeah, know. For real. Um, I thought it was really funny when Ma is going over her rules in the house and her first rule is don't spit on my floors. <laughs> it's like, OK, are sure. Just going around spitting on floors and I don't know about it. Yeah, no problem. Got it, Ma um i i thought it was really funny and probably a, a product of 2019 but when she goes to look for andy on instagram she literally just types in andy and he pops up and i was like that's not how instagram works <laughs> <laughs> um i in listen i understand that we're supposed to understand that these kids are kind of like you know teenagers and they just want to have fun and they want to booze around but i'm sorry once someone pulls a gun on me and my friends i'm not I'm gonna hang out in her house anymore <laughs> i'm fucking out of there and makes me strip in front of them for god's sake jesus um i thought missy Pyle was for the for the for she the, was good she was for good. the little time that she's on screen she takes advantage of it i specifically think she's really good in the casino scene where she's like you're not working here are you and she's drunk and juliette lewis is like no i just really like wearing the outfit <laughs> so, yeah um i love the scene where ma slowly sings weekend which um <laughs> which i understand is an 80s song but i know it as a janet jackson song um i, al- so. I also i love it when ma fucking runs missy pile over oh my, oh my god. god i have that in my notes um, is, that is the so most brilliant. shocking death scene <laughs> i mean like she she's going down the road in her vet in her vet tech truck she sees her running coming the other way and like she's just like boom makes a split decision <laughs> Hit, just run hits, her over. hits the bitch and just keeps on going. It's hilarious. It, it is rough, too, because to that point in this movie, we haven't really seen a lot of like gore or like no. uh, or violence even at that point. And she's just reeling from just having met with uh, Ben and him confronting her. And she just makes a split decision and runs that bitch down. And, it's, and, it's, <laughs> and I have to admit, it is very satisfying when she does. It, just, it, it, it is very I mean, visceral. I hate to say it. It's it's just satisfying. Um, a couple of other things. Um, when Andy asks Maggie out on a date, it's actually, she, it's kind of cute. It I know, but, but she says, like, or he says, I can't remember who says it, but one of them says, like, on a date or as a or couple. As a couple, yeah. And I was like, that's kind of what. <laughs> Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> but you know what though? I I I remember I re- I remember sort of having the same kind of logic when I was in high school. Like I thought that when you asked somebody out, it meant you were immediately boyfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like I didn't the thought of like dating didn't even like cross my mind. 
You know, yeah. it wasn't even a thing. So I, I do kind of get the logic there. Yeah. I will say every scene of Ma dancing is hilarious. It's so uh, good. When she does kung fu fighting and kicks oh my the God. stack of beer cans down, I was like, iconic. <laughs> well, and, and, and like also, like, didn't it make you want to go to a house party again, kind of? Oh, my God. I wanted to play flip cup so bad. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, I really miss people just having house parties. It, it, just, it never happens anymore. And I miss that in life. Pandemic ruined it. <laughs> it totally did. Um, another thing that Andy says that really threw me off was putting ketchup on egg rolls. Which that like, is that that's what? so gross. That's disgusting. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is where uh, Ma is getting a pedicure and she's blatantly playing her like Facebook or Instagram out loud, and the woman next to her kind of like clocks her on it, and she's like, "Do you uh, mind? Do you mind?" Which Wow, she's southern now that I think about that. She Ohio, she sounds southern. like she's from Mississippi, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. But um and then uh Ma gets all upset and she's like, "Not today, old lady." And the woman just looks at her and she just goes, "Bitch, you bitch." <laughs> that was that was funny. Um, and, and also kind of cute if we're being honest. Yeah, and then there's all and then there's a whole other subplot that doesn't really get explained where Ma is keeping her daughter at home under kind of a munchausen by proxy yeah, uh, that, sickness. It it doesn't get explained nearly enough. That's for and sure. I I mean, it like you 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 can kind of like infer why she's doing it, you know, like clearly she's been traumatized and blah 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 and this is what she's doing now to somebody else to like you know exercise that trauma. But uh, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I mean, honestly, I I think I honestly think it could be cut from the movie altogether. Yeah, I don't. I, think so I don't too. think it really. I don't think it really serves like a huge purpose in the overall structure of the movie because we don't really get any tragic story about Ma and her husband and why he's not in the picture yeah, anymore. I mean, th- that's just it. We 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 never hear anything about where Jeannie came from. Yeah. So I. <sighs> As much as I think that actress does a good job in the movie, I, I just think that maybe that part yeah. could be shaved off. Because I, mean, I, I don't know about you, but like when we discover the thing about Jeannie, part of me was like, well, wait a minute. Is Jeannie like Ben's child, maybe? Like maybe. Right. Or like, like she or, was raped yeah. or yeah, yeah. something like that. But we don't find that. If, you know, if, and that's just the thing. If we found out that she was raped and she had the kid, that would give her trauma a whole new level of trauma. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. That would really change um, change the dynamic entirely. I do think it's funny when she tricks Ben into getting coming over to her house before the scene. Before oh my God, she has pulled up on her phone how to find a hidden tracker on a car. <laughs> I thought that that was really funny because, like, that's what you would do in these situations. You would just Google it. <laughs> like, you, know, you would it's just try to like figure it out. Um, but. Um, all right, let's talk about her revenge. So she 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 moles down Mercedes with a car, um, and then she tricks Ben to showing up at her house. And what does she do? She drugs him, strips him, puts him in a bed, straps him down, and plays with his penis a little bit, threatening to cut it off. Which you know what? Real art. I I understand this is a fake penis, but at least we get to see a pee pee. Yeah, I mean, there there was there was there was penile um intention there. Yeah. Uh and then she essentially gives him a blood transfusion of dog's blood because yeah. he's a Men dog. Are dogs. Men are dogs. Yeah. Um and but the thing that I didn't get is I was like, oh, is he gonna die from like the, the poison blood or whatever? No, she slits his wrist and I'm like, oh well, okay, though that's how he's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I was uh, kind of hoping that we would see what would happen with the dog blood. 
I do too. I was like, is there, is that a thing? Is there a reaction that I mean, would happen I, there? I would imagine that there would be, right? I mean, like, you know, you can't just put another beans crazy ass blood in your veins. So, I mean, yeah. like there, there could have been. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think when, when the movie gets right down to it, it doesn't really commit to like its murders, does it? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second because earlier in the movie, we are introduced to my favorite character, Ashley, who yeah. is the pastor's daughter who fakes being passed out at parties so that she yes. doesn't have to drink. And I was yes, like, that's that so is... good. And she has some of the best little cameos in the movie, uh, in, in my opinion. But get this. She's the only teenager that dies in the movie. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Because she <laughs> was just playing passed out. And when Ma started enacting her revenge, she woke up. <laughs> like, and then she tries to escape and gets hit on the head with an iron and then gets left in the fire. Oh my because God. they never drag her out. And I was like, is anybody going to help the pastor's daughter, Ashley? <laughs> she, she needs a movie of her own, Ashley. She does. I would watch it. <laughs> Amen, girl. Amen. Because this little fact that she likes to fake pass out at parties so she doesn't have to drink is hilarious to me. It's very funny. Um, and then she does this series of really weird things to these kids. So she puts an iron on uh, the the more attractive guy. I can't think of Chaz. Yes. Um, to like scar him, I guess. Um, she sews uh, the Erica's uh, mouth shut. She paints Darrell's face with, I think, just paint is, or is it glue? I think it, I think it's just paint. Um, and then she's gonna hang Maggie. Uh, what is this revenge? I don't really understand. It, well, I mean, that's that's just, it's it's you know, like we said earlier, it's just it's very convoluted, isn't it? Yeah. And then she stabs Andy with a knife, but. Before that, the most awkward part of the movie happens where they're kind of dancing together and she says, you smell good just like your daddy. Oh, God, that's and so I was weird. Like, and then they kiss and I was like, oh, this is really weird. And then she stabs him and then everything's right with the world and everything happens and goes on from there. But um, and then I, I did have a question. So when she kills the police officer, is it? She she shoots him in the chest. Was he not wearing a bulletproof vest? Do you not wear bulletproof vests in Ohio? I guess that they they don't have they don't have the budget for that kind of thing. I guess. Um, and then I just have my notes. So Ashley's the only one who dies <laughs> because I thought that we were going to get some. I thought we were going to get some deaths. If I'm you being know, honest here, I was also just thinking it's it's a movie where you don't have a lot of nudity, but you no. do have male nudity, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Because no you've boobies. got you've, you've got Chaz who also was I, I think he was like 24 when you when this was filmed, so you don't have to feel too bad about it. Um, you've got him it's like actually fully naked, so, and you you definitely see his butt, and then you've got some penis. Uh, that's very rare in film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. It's crazy. Tate Taylor, what are you doing? What's what's with the from the team that brought you the help? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, uh, I think Octavia Spencer is really good in this movie of just being like an unhinged woman, like like slowly going into insanity. I do think that that's really good. I just kind of wish that there was like one more layer of depth to her character that would help explain the actions of the movie. Um, I still think it's like a. It's. I think it's like a fun movie to watch. It's because I, I, we get I all think like it's the fun too. You know, I, I think someone said it said it really well on um on Letterbox. They said it looks like she's having a blast doing it, and I think that that's that's exactly what, the way to think about it. Like Octavia Spencer is having fun 
doing this movie. And it's it's something that's different for her and a little crazy and kooky. I think she does a great job in it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, my final thoughts on the on, on the movie. Octavia Spencer is the shining light that drives this movie. Although a bit messy in its storytelling, it's still an entertaining, tight watch. I gave this movie a 4.5. And I said, don't fuck with Ma. This movie works in most ways, but suffers in its length. That's one thing that I didn't talk about was that it did seem a little long to me, even though it's not. And that just is, that's always a sign for me about There's the, one the, party things. too many. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, however, that's a light pain, and the story is a terrifying look at revenge and the many ways it destroys networks of lives. And I also gave it a four and a half. So that will do it for our horror in the movies. We'll be right back to close out the show. So we're back with our final game of the episode to close us out. It's one that we haven't done for quite a while, and it is uh, Queer Eye for the Horror Guy. And this is where we take a film and we think about how we can make it a little bit gay. Um, And Andrew, it looks like you've got an idea for how we can make Ma gay. Oh, I was going to do The Crow. Oh, excuse me, for how we can make The Crow gay. (laughs) There we go. So for The Crow, here's my pitch. Ernie Hudson's character, the the cop, okay, sure. is gay. Okay, and he the reason why he uh, wants to like tag along with the crow with Eric uh, is that he is kind of like in love with him and wants to protect him. And there's like a a torn lovers kind of uh, vibe going there, but his love can never be reciprocated because Eric is still in love with Shelley into it i like this okay i've got a pitch for you about about ma okay i'm ready okay ready, ready. so the kid that she gives the kid that she gives the blowjob to in the closet is actually gay and he's not really in on it but he has to do it because if he doesn't do it then everyone will know that he's gay right at a time when you can't do that in bumfuck ohio so he does it and he does it reluctantly but he feels awful about it and he was also traumatized by this later on in life he joins up with ma and they're actually a duo of teenager killers and they they enact a plan to kill everyone in town that ever made them feel bad about themselves we'll call it ma and da (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect yes that's great oh my god i love it i love it i love it and folks that was the 96th episode of friday the 13th horror podcast thanks so much for spending some time with us and before we let you go to some um, further housekeeping things that we always go through um, first off we are a member of the dread podcast network from dread central Uh, head over to dreadcentral.com to learn more about dread central Uh, but you can also just type in dread podcast network wherever you listen to podcasts to discover more great podcasts that are on our network some really great stuff out there Hey, do you think the last two hours of content was worth a dollar? Okay. All right. I hear you. We're with you. you If you want to support Friday the 13th monetarily, you can become a patron on Patreon, or you can buy merch, t-shirts, hats, the stickers, all at Friday13.com slash support. Uh, We we don't necessarily require it. Oh, 
Why did I say necessarily? We don't don't require require it. it. (laughs) But we would love if you would come and become a patron. Um, We're trying to think of new ways to kind of beef up that content. So we'll, we'll get back to you on that. We're not very good at things because we don't want to hide content from people. We want this to always be free. But if you can, we really would appreciate just like a buck. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's a dollar. I, I literally have everything that, that folks give us through, through Patreon. It goes right back into the show. Um, and it, it allows us just to do more and to be more. And so if you're, if you're a fan of, the, of Friday the 13th, it's a great way for you, for you to support us and to help us do more and to evolve. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, look, if not, not everyone can do that also. So if you can't become a patron or if you already are a great way to support us also is to leave a review for us, wherever you listen to us, um, on wherever you listen to us, where, where podcasts are heard, um, reviews are generally the way that most people will decide to listen to a podcast. So if you leave us a five-star review with whatever your honest thoughts are, that would be really cool. And that's not a request. That's a requirement. You that's, have that to is do a requirement. It. <laughs> yeah, we we, we we will find you. We will send Ma after you if you don't yes, do it. Yes. All right. Well, that will do it for episode ninety six. We have just one last thing to tell you, and that is to get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.